Kia ora. This program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Good morning all and welcome to Wellington Access Radio, uh, 106.1 FM. My name is Dan, I'm an alcoholic and your chairperson for today. You can all say hi Dan if you want. Hi Dan. Hi Dan. Hi everyone. All right, well, um, we'll open the meeting as we always do with the serenity prayer. So if I can ask you to join me. God, God grant, grant me the serenity to, to accept the things, things I cannot change, change. courage to change, change the things I can, and wisdom, wisdom to know the difference. All right, I'll read the AA preamble now. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of people who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. All right, so um, in the studio today, we've, we've, um, we were meant to be having some people from the Miramar meeting, but we've got a bit of a mixed bag of people, some of which have been to the Miramar meeting before, uh, and some which, uh, who attend other meetings around Wellington. So we'll just, um, we'll, we'll, it's, a, it's, it's a bit of a, um, you know, a, an all-stars meeting, so <laughs> we'll, um, we'll, we'll kick it off with, um, with Asha, who'll we'll start with a reading from the AA Big Book. Hi, my name's Asher. I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Asher. Chapter 5, How It Works. Really, have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path? Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program, usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. There are such unfortunates. They are not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Their chances are less than average. There are those, too, who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. Our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, and what we are like now. If you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any lengths to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. At some of these we balked. We thought we could find an easier, softer way. But we could not. With all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas, and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. Remember that we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling, and powerful. Without help, it is too much for us. But there is one who has all power. That one is God. May you find him now. Half measures availed us nothing. We stood at the turning point. We asked his protection and care with complete abandon. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. 1. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. 2. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. 3. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. 4. 
made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. 5. Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. 6. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. 7. Humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. 8. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 9. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory when and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Many of us exclaimed, what an order, I can't go through with it. Do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We are not saints. The point is that we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. The principles we have set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. Our description of the alcoholic, the chapter to the agnostic, and our personal adventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. A. That we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. B. That probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. C. That God could and would if he were sought. Thanks, Asha. All right. So this is uh, Wellington Access Radio, 106.1 FM, and we've got Alcoholics Anonymous meeting on air. And so um, now we'll start with the the sharing part of the meeting. So I've got, I'll, I'll, um, I'll pick either of these two guys. I think I'll start with James. Do you want to share first? Um, yeah, I'm James Alcoholic. Hey, James. Hi. Um, yeah, it's it's good good to be here. I um, really enjoy this meeting. Um, and it's actually quite peaceful in this room. It's quite quiet. Um so it's it's good. It's a good it's a good way to start in the morning. Um, yeah. So I um, f- for me I I, I started um, drinking late. I had started um, well to to other lots of other people that are here in the rooms. Um, I, I started properly about uh, the age of nineteen, but I I got drunk at. In my early teens, a few times, and every time it was just all or nothing. I just got absolutely wasted, even when it wasn't kind of a a environment of kind of doing that. And um, but it just didn't matter to me. I just needed that fix, and I needed that fix now. And that was always pretty much the case. Um, so yeah, when when I started, it was when I was nineteen, and where I would just. I was uh, a binge drinker and I would um, go out most weekends and I never drank at home. I never drank alone, um, but that was definitely something that was going to happen. Um, I could, it, it was just just getting there to to that point. Um, and so, yeah, no, it, it for me, it just made me feel better, just made me feel more confident, just more relaxed. And just, I think, yeah, just for me, it was just having that kind of peace, that kind of thing that I wanted. I just, I had um, things that happened 
um, kind of traumatic things as 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 a child, and and just all other kind of um, awkwardness or um, self confidence or anxiety just could it just would lift um, at a certain point um, when when I was drinking, and it's normally when I got really drunk, and it was just just easier just to kind of. What I felt at the time just to be me and and freer um you know and very early on I had people say that they felt that I um had an alcohol problem I think mean, it was only a few months into me drinking and I had some people say to me quite seriously that I should go and see a drug and alcohol counselor and I did and I remember going and I'd turn up with bruises and just hung over and just kind of not making a lot of sense and I'm like oh I'm fine and I obviously not and I look back on it and I, I definitely wasn't and I just just wasn't ready and I just for me I just found the holy grail like I found something that had some sort some sort of kind of purpose in my life that that's just how I felt and um so I I drank for a number of years and um it was just it was just the same it was just it just turned into chaos it just um I just couldn't keep relationships I was um, I was just acted like a alcoholic, really, just selfish, dishonest, resentful, angry, um, and it just went on for a quite a while. And then, um, you know, I could just never show my full potential, and I'd got kind of told that from a number of people as well. Um, but I was just in this bubble. I just really thought I was okay. Um, and at the same time, not okay, but it was just alcohol enough to just kind of like help me just get by. Um, and then it was my my last year of drinking that that, that was it for me. I um, I lost everything very quickly, and I'm actually kind of, nowadays I'm actually very grateful for that because um, it just it made yeah it it just it just woke me up. Um, I mean, I think I lost two jobs, got kicked out of two flats. So I was spending my rent money I was parents stopped talking to me stuff like that and for me that was enough that 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 was enough for me that I actually lost everything like dear to me and I didn't have a lot anyway but it was it was enough and um you know I was in a toxic relationship with a girl that I I caused and I I I was horrible and it was I I was doing things and and saying things and and to my to myself as well that I I couldn't change. I couldn't stop it. I, I didn't. I didn't know what to do. And it was once I came into AA briefly for a couple of months, and I tried to do what was suggested. Then I went back out, and then that was it for me. That's just it. All just fell apart, and that's the moment where my parents stopped talking to me, and I didn't know what to do. Then I was completely lost. Um, I wasn't completely too close to them, but they still were a big part of my life um but what 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 shocked me afterwards and even at the time after a while it, it wasn't that I was just kind of devastated that they stopped talking to me but it was because they would give me quite a bit of money each week and I straight away thought to myself well where am I going to get this money to drink and to me now it's just that's horrible absolutely horrible but this is where my alcoholic mind took me it was all about me what can I get from you um, and I was good at it. I was, I was good getting what I wanted. 
Um, so so yeah, and then I came into AA, and I just I just came, I just was, I just had enough, and um, I just did what was suggested, and then after a while, I I didn't, I got complacent in AA. I kind of was. I stopped drinking, but I wasn't completely sober because um, of doing a bit of drugs, and that was wasn't even much. But it just kept me. It did the same thing as alcohol, and that was just kind of. Um, it just did the fix, just you know, because for me, I didn't want to do the work in AA. I didn't want to um, face everything. Um, for me, if I didn't drink, then I could barely have a life, keep a job and stuff like that. But I wasn't living. It was, you know, I wasn't completely sober. But the best thing I ever did, I just kept coming back. I did that for uh, five years of not being completely sober. And I kept coming to AA because I, I, I was too scared to go out drinking again. Because I, I knew if I did that, there's, it just, yeah, it was... There was just, yeah, there was just no, that just wasn't um, that wasn't a solution. AA was, and um, I knew if I kept coming back that something would happen because I just see it all the time. There was times when I just didn't even want to come, and I would go to a meeting and I'd just hear exactly what I needed to hear. People that just was doing what I did, then eventually got it. They didn't want to do the work. They were angry as hell. They went to, they kept going to AA. Then they got it, and then they had, they were having happy sober lives and I, I i heard that a lot and i eventually you know from doing the work i i am um, i kind of got there and i just it's day by day it's a you know i need to work on it each day but um you know when i got sober it was great it was good and i was doing the work and did the steps but then i still had this anger i really had this i was just fuming <laughs> it was just quite i didn't really know what to do then um a friend of mine suggested to go and see this counsellor who um, we're very lucky where we live with. They've got this guy that um, does the rounds. He, 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 um, it's quite a few people in AA that, that go and that go and see him and um, that that have a, the opportunity to do that. And um, so it was suggested to me, and um, he's just absolutely changed my life. Just turned it around because that's the great thing with AA. It says in the big book that um, you know we can turn to to help outside of the fellowship and um that's what i did and i you know there's certain things that AA could do for me well you know get me sober but there was other things that i needed and i needed out to 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 reach out and um that was great because it's just certain things i just yeah I, i couldn't grasp and this anger was just kind of growing and i couldn't yeah so that was that was massive and um now for me i'm you know, things have really, really come into place. You know, I didn't expect the life I've got now. It's not glamorous or or this or that, but it's just, it's drama-free on my part to a point. You know, I don't go looking for drama. I don't, I don't let it grow. I mean, you know, I, um, there's things that I've got to look forward to next year and there's things that's happened already and things that could could develop that i just don't know what's going to happen but all i do know is just to do the best i can every day what's suggested in aa um and i'm not perfect at it but i'm just you know best thing i did 10 years ago come in and just keep coming back and come i came regularly and that and i'm pleased i did that because there was if i don't come back 
I don't come back then, I don't come back now. I've got less of a chance to get sober and to have um, to have a life because that's all I wanted. All I wanted was a life. So, um, yeah, thanks for me share. Thanks, James. All right, this is Wellington Access Radio, 106.1 FM, and we've got Alcoholics Anonymous meeting on air in the house, live. Uh, so if you're listening and you want to get in touch with AA, then in New Zealand there's some, some ways to do that, or actually anywhere in the world you can go onto the AA New Zealand website, which is aa.org.nz. And that website's all set up for your mobile phone as well. Uh, if you jump onto that, the first thing you see at the top is, I need help. <laughs> and um, so if you do need help, you can click on that. And uh, it gives you some options. I need to find a meeting, I need to talk now, or I need some information. And it's got a free phone number on there, which is 0800 227 6757. And that number is on, on 24-7. And uh, there'll be a sober alcoholic that will answer the phone and uh, answer any questions that you have. And if you need to talk to someone now, that's the number to call. Um, and you can also, if you'd rather, if you didn't want to talk, you can actually email AA as well. And that can be done from your phone too, um, help at aa.org.nz is the email address. So if you're wanting uh, some help or just some information, there's the free phone number 0800 229 6757 or help at aa.org.nz is the email address. And that website again, aa.org.nz. All right, <laughs> now we've got the commercials over, let's, um, let's carry on with the sharing. So, Matt, would you like to share? Sure, my name is Matt Alcoholic. Um, yeah, thanks for uh, the opportunity and also the privilege of being able to come and, you know, share a bit of my story. Um, yeah, we would have thought on a Saturday morning, um, you know, getting up bright and early without a hangover um, and, you know, be able to share my story on radio would, would, ever, would ever come across, you know, as an opportunity. But here we are. Um, yeah, there are lots to be grateful for. And um, just a little bit about my story is... Um, you know, I can also relate to to a lot of what James said, especially when I was growing um, up. I felt a little bit um, different to others. I, f- I felt awkward in the sense that um, you know I just didn't feel comfortable in my own skin. Um, having uh, connections with people as well, I struggled with that. So what I ended up being is I was a very quiet, very um, introverted kid when I was growing up. Um, had got quite a few hobbies that were. Um, didn't rely on other people, you know, and um, yeah, I kept myself quite busy and, you know, just in my own space and in my own head. Um, and that was, uh, that was me, you know, and I envied other people that uh, were popular or could, you know, just speak um, around other people when around strangers and feel comfortable. I just couldn't do that. But I tell you what, when I had my first drink, that all changed, you know, and um, my younger brother actually gave my first drink. It was half a cider. And I just remember that fir- that feeling a little a couple of minutes after I had that first and second sip. Just I felt like my whole body was lighting up from the inside. And it's like I had this constant grin on my face and I felt happy. It was just the weirdest feeling. But um that's not, yeah, so that was my first encounter with alcohol. I was probably about 15 or 16, but I didn't think much about it until after I left school and, um, and I started my first uh, job. And my boss at the time, um, you know, the, there was a big drinking culture in the company. And um, 
me being the new guy, I had to uh, work behind the bar and serve our customers and everything in the boardroom. Um, and I loved it. Um, and I'd obviously have a couple of drinks myself. And I just, yeah, it changed my life. Um, really, it's, and I loved alcohol. I had so many good times on it. Um, uh, I made a lot of friends and, well, that's what it felt like at the time. <laughs> and, yeah, it just felt like I could, I, could, I could tackle the world, you know, and I could make something of myself and I could be someone. And um, alcohol was, was a big part of that. But I didn't realize at the time what really was going on. I just thought I was growing up um, because a lot of people my age were also drinking, um, you know, so I didn't think what I was doing was anything abnormal at that point in time. There weren't any consequences to uh, my drinking. I mean, I'd get to work with hangovers. I'd, I'd take days off sick uh, from work, um, from hangovers and that kind of thing. But everyone else was doing it. So, you know, um, there we go. Um, it wasn't a problem with that. But it was only in my later years, um, you know, in my 30s, uh, you know, I got married <clears throat> and uh, my drinking just, just spiraled out of control. Um, and, you know, I tried a few times to stop and I'll probably get by with a couple of days. I think the longest I stopped drinking was about two weeks. Um, but when I got back onto the drinking, you know, I just picked up where I left, left off. And even at some point felt like I had to make up for lost time. Um, but anyway, um, still, you know, a couple of nights, blackouts. Blackouts became more frequent. You know, um, I'd get home at night. I was like, how did I get home? Um, you know, and... You know, the next morning when I would wake up sometimes, it's like uh, my partner or friends would say, did you know what you did last night? And it's like, oh, no. And they would tell me, and it's like I wouldn't believe them because it's like so out of character. Um, and, you know, it's like the the, the Jekyll and Hyde s- scenario, you know. Um, you know, when I'm on, when I've had something to drink and I've had too much and I go into blackout, like anything's possible. And I just, you know, that was quite scary for me. Um, uh, a friend of mine, she said, oh, let's go to an AA meeting. So maybe they'll teach you how to drink properly. Um, and, and I did. Um, but obviously, I had to have a couple of drinks before I went to it, uh, my first AA meeting. And I walked into this room. It was a, um, yeah, like a scouts hall. And there's this table with people there, with the candle in the middle, and all these banners on the wall. And I thought, oh, my God, what have I walked into? Like a cult type thing. And um, they started sharing their stories, and I could not relate. I really couldn't because they were sharing their stories about how they lost their houses, how they lost their families, how they were homeless, how they – oh, man, the stories went on. And I'm like, but I've still got it all together. You know, I've got a house. You know, my relationship's still together. I've got a good a job. So from the outside, I just couldn't relate and think I was an alcoholic. So I walked away from that meeting, you know, uh, feeling chuffed because I couldn't, I felt like I was an alcoholic, although I had all the symptoms, but I didn't realize it at the time. Anyway, a couple of months later, I hit my rock bottom and, um, you know, it was, I woke up one morning and um, I don't want too much details, but the way I felt inside was what have I become, you know, and I've tried everything on my own strength to try and stop drinking. I just couldn't. It was like a game of chess, you know, when you're in checkmate and you, there's no out or there's no more moves left. That's how I felt. Um, so my partner said, so do you want to do something about it? And I actually said yes. Um, anyway, so uh, that my, was my journey into recovery. And, you know, once I did a, a, a little bit of a life story, um, as part of my step one, I know that's more step five thing, but I had to, you know, once I started writing a bit of um, 
my life story and reg- figuring out, you know, what happened in my life and all the bad things that happened and why they happened. And I realized that there was a common thread around it and that was alcohol. And also the amount of times I tried to stop and I couldn't get it right, you know, but that was that, that mental obsession of I couldn't stay away from it and if I had one drink, it just wasn't enough and I just, oh, it was just all downhill from there. Um, and that was a good realisation. Um, uh, so, yeah, not very soon, not very long after, um, you know, starting my journey in the programme, the desire to stop drinking got taken away from me. But that was also quite frightening because my whole life I identified with alcohol um, and I thought, oh, I'm going to have this very boring life. I'm going to be drinking tea and picking up knitting or something on, as a hobby and, you know, have this really dull, boring life. And I was fearful around that. Um, but, you know, I was willing to give this a try because um, my life was at stake, literally, and I could feel it from deep inside. Um, yeah, so the desire to stop drinking was, uh, yeah, the so desire to drink was taken away from me. And so I thought, well, I've, I've won the battle now. Um, so I stopped going to meetings. Uh, I didn't do any of the steps. And I, it was a really tough year, roughly. Um, because I put down the, the alcohol, but my thinking was, uh, was, you know, there was, I'd realized that my thinking was the problem and um, I had to do some work around that. So um, eventually came back into the, the, the rooms again, found a sponsor and started doing the steps and that's when the transformation really started happening for me. I realized that this is a job from the inside because I was relying on people and places and things to make me feel uh, better about myself, and when things weren't ideal on the outside, my life, in, my world inside would collapse. So there was a lot of, you know, a um, lot of work around that. And this program taught me that, you know, um, it's I've got to work on myself, and it's it, and and that's it. And you know, finding a connection with some higher power to help with that transformation is there. And the the program taught me of how to uh, tap into that, you know. And yeah, a couple of years fast forward, you know, um, um, life is different. It's really different. I, uh, you know, it's, I see things differently and my pers- perspective on life has changed. Um, and that made me be able to co- um, coast through life a lot better and be a lot more grateful, uh, feel, you know, feel things like, feel things like genuine uh, gratitude and appreciation for life around 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 me so um yeah um uh, that's pretty much it it's it's and my my sobriety you know this just the key things is go to meetings have a sponsor and <clears throat> work the steps and not just do the steps once you know um i've got a couple of things that i'm doing another step for on at the moment and that's okay um and yeah and my life is definitely not boring, absolutely not. My life is so full at the moment, um, you know, and I wouldn't trade it for, for, for anything, you know. Um, so I'm really grateful to be sober. And, yeah, thanks for asking me to share, Dan. Thanks, Matt. All right, so uh, Wellington Access Radio, 106.1 FM, and we've got Alcoholics Anonymous meeting on air. Now, um, this is a live show broadcast out of Wellington, but it's also uh, available all around the world uh, through podcasts. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're on iTunes and Spotify, things like that as well. And we're actually on uh, on Facebook as well. So AA On Air Wellington is our page. 
<clears throat> every so often we get a message from someone who's listening and often that person is not in New Zealand and they appreciate the, f- the fact that uh, we're, we're running it, running the show and we're obviously helping some people out there, which is great. And uh, every so often we might read out a message of someone that sends us something, a few comments or uh, some thanks. And so if you do want to send us a message, then you're more than welcome to um, to find us on Facebook, AA On Air Wellington. And um, yeah, we, we'll obviously keep your anonymity, uh, you know, just read out your first name. And um, and perhaps where you're from, and just a little bit about your message, if you you know, if if you should so wish. But um, you're yeah, really grateful to hear from people that are that are listening out there. All right, well let's um let's carry on with the sharing. So Asha, would you like to share? Hi, my name's Asha. I'm an alcoholic. Hey Asha. Uh, good to be here, sober, um, in my right mind on a Saturday morning. Um, this is my first time at AA on air. It's been a great meeting so far. Um, what you know what it was like um i started drinking in when i was 14 or 15 i can't remember the exact first time um there were several several amazing early memories of drinking and um i wasn't a particularly out of sorts child maybe a little bit neurotic um but when i first had alcohol it hit the spot um, that was just what I needed. It filled a hole, and um, I felt like I came alive when I drank. It was quite hard for me to get alcohol at that age. I was the eldest sibling, and um, my father was an alcoholic, and he was he was sober when I was growing up. He stopped drinking when I was three years old, and um, so he you know he was very reluctant to to buy me alcohol, and he'd 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 buy a, you know a six pack for me to share with three friends, you know, and he'd want to keep three of them. Uh, so there was just one one each for us or something like that. But, you know, they had friends with older brothers and we'd get alcohol and, um, you know, right from the start I drank pretty alcoholically in that I would never like to have just one. Um, I was greedy. I wanted more, 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 more. I liked to get drunk and um, that's where I felt that's where I felt comfortable. It was hard to hard to do that living in the in the house of a sober alcoholic and um so when I was eighteen I left Auckland and moved to Wellington to come and study and um it was sort of a ticket to freedom and um I was able to really begin my drinking career in, in Wellington. Um because of because of my father's alcoholism, he'd told me that um, his father was an alcoholic and there were plenty of other ones in the family as well and that most likely I too was an alcoholic. Um, I didn't understand then that um, you know my decisions might actually affect you know whether or not I became uh, actively addicted to alcohol. I just thought it was a it was either it was or it wasn't, and there was only one way to find out, which was to drink, and that's what I wanted to do. And so I did. I drank, and um, but because of that knowledge, there was a sort of caution in me, and and I was afraid of um, becoming an alcoholic um, as I understood it. And I used to tell my friends. That um, it was really important that we didn't become alcoholics. I'd use the we to refer to me, and um, I said that there were certain things we needed to not do to avoid becoming alcoholics. Things like drinking in the morning or drinking alone, and and so on. And I really didn't want to become an alcoholic because alcohol was my favourite thing, and I knew because of my father that the you know the only way to deal with being an alcoholic really is to to not drink. It's it's not a um, there's no there's no half measures um, with respect to this disease, and 
Um, so I didn't I didn't want that to be me because I wanted to drink till till the end. Um, and so I tried to control my drinking. Um, and when I tried to control it, I couldn't enjoy it. Um, and when I enjoyed it, I couldn't control it. You know, so um, after sort of seven or eight years of drinking in Wellington, by the end of that, um, I, I misbehaved a lot around um, friends and other people. And I, towards the end, I would just drink alone um, because that was much easier. You know, I could kind of titrate that and I could get just the right amount to get just the right amount drunk. And um, that was sort of how I lived for um a couple of years there but that would be punctuated with a with with big benders where I'd sort of lose control and um in 2018 the, my drinking was accelerating and getting much worse after a summer of with a big bender a big sort of two week binge with my friends and um where I, I made this I made my friends drink every day while we were on this road trip and they didn't want to but I had to you know and um, I didn't want that to end. And when I came back to Wellington after that, my drinking was much worse. I woke up one morning after repeating sort of exactly the same bender with the same person, the same drinks, the same drugs that I'd done just the weekend before. And I knew that I had lost control of my drinking and that I had to stop. Um, and... That was when I that's that was when I I, I stopped drinking and um, at that stage I didn't go into AA um, because you know I I didn't really understand anything about it and I thought I could probably do this on my own. That's what my father had done, and um, in some ways I didn't think I was a bad enough alcoholic to need AA. Um, I still had my flat, I had a job and whatnot. Didn't have a girlfriend. Um, but I thought that I could sort of fix that, fix that by myself. And certainly, life improved when I stopped drinking, and you know, no longer had my hands tied behind my back. And um, I started to do things to try to change my life. And for, you know, I started to do a great deal of yoga and whatnot. But two years like that went by, and um, it was pretty white knuckle in a way, like. Um, I'd feared the banish the social banishment of not drinking, and to some you know to some extent that was real. My friends still drank, and I just stayed home, and it was quite a lonely and depressing couple of years there. And um, towards the end of the lockdowns, I heard somebody joking about the kind of person who thinks that they can cure their substance abuse problems with yoga, um, and I thought that's me, you know, like I'd. I'd not really um, done anything to change the thinking, even if I'd stopped drinking. And so I, I knew enough about AA that I, I thought, you know, that's where that's where you go um, when you don't know what else to do. And I should say, during that time, I was not sober either. You know, I was using other drugs and um, getting through that way. And I went to my first AA meeting um, in 2020, and uh, James was there. James was the first person I met in AA. He was halfway up the steps at the Evangelical Church on Hopper Street, where we have the Friday Living Sober meeting at that time. And um, he said g'day to me, and I was shaking like a leaf. You know, I had no idea what was going on. Went into that meeting and sat down, and... Um, you know, I've just kept coming back since that point in time because I heard my story that day in in the meeting. Um, I've struggled sometimes um, in AA um, because you know where I stopped. Um, 
was on, on, on you know, on some measures different. You know, it's just different to where other people's um, rock bottom took them. But I've come to understand um, that actually alcoholism is not um, what happens to you or a status. It's not necessarily drinking in the morning. It's not necessarily drinking alone or whatever. I was an alcoholic long before I started drinking alone. My alcoholism is that I have um, what the book calls the physical allergy, um, which is I have an abnormal reaction to alcohol. When I drink alcohol, I have a, a physical craving, which is different to what my friends have. Once I have one drink, I really, really, really have to take another drink. Um, and my friends who aren't alcoholics, they might have a drink and then they might want another drink, but they don't have to have another drink. Um, but that's how I feel when I drink. Um, and then I have the mental obsession, which which is why... I'd try to swear off um, for a weekend. I'd think, oh, I'm so tired. I just need to not drink this Friday. But then I'd be walking back past the bottle shop and like a rat up a drain pipe, I'd be in there buying my my, my drinks for Friday night, um, totally unable to, to stop myself doing that, you know. And that's, that's what alcoholism was for me. Um, and I've learned that in AA and that's allowed me to – um, have some measure of acceptance about that and say, well, okay, that's the problem and and um, I, I won't spend too much time thinking about the problem. Instead, I'll direct myself towards the solution. And so I do what's suggested to me in, in AA. I have a sponsor. Um, he's Dan. He's here in this room as well. I have a home group, um, Sunday Spiritual Concepts, where um, Matt, is a, he's here in this room, is a fellow home group member. I, I attend that home group um, I work through the steps with my sponsor and, um, you know, it has brought about, step 12 talks about how, we, you know, we have a spiritual awakening and so on. I struggled a little bit with spirituality, the program when I first came in, atheist and whatnot, you know, same old story. And um, I haven't had a, a, a um, profound spiritual experience in, in terms of like um, something coming down from the clouds, but... Um, I've had a personality change as a result of being involved in this program and, and doing the steps and so on, and a positive one. You know, I, I um, like me better now, and I think my friends like me better now. Um, and you know, that's sort of enough. That's enough for me. I relate to what James said about just wanting a life. That's what I want, and I have more right-sized ideas about what's what's good for me now. Um, and so, you know, this program's given me more than just sobriety. Um, I, it gives me some way to achieve some um, a bit of peace and serenity. And um, I used to think spirituality was, you know, I, I had no time for that kind of thing. But um, actually, now that's really important to me is the the continued, as it talks about in that reading, development along spiritual lines. You know, sometimes I use the word existential instead of spiritual when I'm talking to people about that. But that's actually now an important part of what I see happening with the rest of my life is, um, yeah, those those sort of things, uh, which is which is a big difference from how I was four four years ago. Um, and so it's great, you know. I'm really grateful for um, for all of you guys here and for this program, and um, yeah, for having a chance to share. So thanks very much. Thanks, Asha. All right, this is uh, Wellington Access Radio, 106.1 FM and Alcoholics Anonymous meeting on air. My name's Dan, I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> and um, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed the, um, the meeting as well. And there is something special about being live in the studio and 
and sharing in, you know, in front of a microphone and being amongst your fellows as well. But yeah, as always, <clears throat> I've related to the sharing. I mean, um, I didn't want to. I didn't want to come to AA. I didn't want to get here, be sitting in these rooms, you know, sober. That wasn't like a lifelong ambition for me. Uh, <clears throat> alcohol did it so much for me. It, it really, um, you know, I, I was able to access it when I was fifteen because I was tall and I could, you know, go to places where they were a bit lax on uh, checking IDs. So um, once I got my own access, it was I was away, and um, yeah, things started to deteriorate for me straight away. Like I was, my, you know, my my interest in school, um, you know, dropped off. My marks uh, got worse. Um, I started to get in trouble, and um, yeah, I got myself in quite a lot of trouble as a in my late teens uh, through through drinking, and um, yeah, and and I was yeah. Sort of, you know, sort of paid paid a you know a, a big price for that, and um, but it wasn't enough to stop me drinking. Um, I, I I first went to AA when I was twenty, and uh, wasn't you know I was saying all the right things, and and um, you know people were nodding and smiling, thinking, oh yeah, Dan's got it. And in the back of my mind, I was like, can't wait to get out of here, <laughs> and um, and go back to drinking. And of course, once people weren't watching me anymore, I did, and. <laughs> And carried on, but yeah, things things didn't get so bad. Uh, like, I mean, I still managed to forge a bit of a career for myself, and um, and you know, get married, and you know, bought a house. These these type of normal things, but couldn't really, you know, I, was, I, had, I had a double life. I was lying a lot. I was I was behaving atrociously when I was going out drinking. Uh, a lot of which people didn't know, or I thought people didn't know. And um, yeah, I just wasn't my best self in, in any any way, shape, or form. And um, staggered into the rooms, and um, you know, my mid thirties, and um, somehow grabbed onto something, and um, and kept coming back. And yeah, I wasn't sure what I wanted when I came in, but I was pretty sure I didn't want what I had. And all I've really done is is um, is followed in the tail lights of those that have gone before me. And I, I quickly cottoned on to some of the, some of the people that were <clears throat> been sober for a long time, listened to them and watched them, and, and found out what they did and did that, and got myself a sponsor. Started working on the steps and um, kept going to meetings, did um, did service, and um, you know started to pray and meditate, and, um, and and tried to sort of carry the message to other people. And um, lo and behold, life got better. <clears throat> And and life continues to get better, and um, you know nowadays I I um I sleep well at night, I haven't told lies to people, um, <clears throat> I don't have to sort of think about um, how to manage um, an addiction like alcohol, not trying to manage my finances and other relationships with other people so that I could drink excessively when I wanted, but still trying to keep other people happy, don't have to worry about that anymore. And um, and for me, the um, the best bit of the program is really um, working with others and and helping um, you know like a, a, someone new that comes in. I mean, um, when I was new, uh, people took me under their wing and uh, I got a sponsor. You know, I went through several sponsors actually, but <laughs> that's another story. <laughs> and um, but I was able to be helped by um, by a sponsor one on one who really helped me through the program because that's that's the things we don't have to do this on our own. And I haven't done it on my own. And um, yeah, as I say, for me, the best bit is actually um, 
the bit at the end, uh, step 12, is um, you know carrying this message to other alcoholics and being able to pass on the experiences that I've had because a lot of my experiences were you know, um, horrendous and embarrassing and um, awful, you know, just some of the things I did and some of the things I've done to other people. But um, I've turned them into assets. You know, it's like those things um, have enabled me to um, to be able to carry a message to other alcoholics um, that are still suffering out there, you know, and some of which managed to stagger into the rooms of AA like me. Yeah. So I'm really grateful to be here and, um, yeah, I'll, um, I'll, I'll leave that there. But um, what we'll do now is um, I'll just <coughs> go through the, the details of um, AA as well uh, that I had I read out earlier. So the website aa.org.nz and uh, on that website there are, there's, there's a meetings, uh, meetings lists, there's a phone number 0800 229 6757 and um, there's email addresses as well. But um, if, if you'd um, if you'd like to all um, join me to to, uh, to close the meeting with a serenity prayer, that'd be great. God. God. That program was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding accessmedia.nz.